Good morning, Seacoast Church. Good morning, good morning, and happy July 4th. It is so awesome to be with you here this morning. So excited to celebrate our National Independence Day. I think it's incredible that Seacoast Church chose the Irish Swiss pastor to celebrate uh, our National Independence Day. But we love it. My wife and I, we miss our home countries. Um, Switzerland and Ireland, but we love living in our land of choice, the United States of America. Come on. We love it. Um, we love the southern hospitality. We love the food. Uh, we love the go get a attitude. We love the possibilities. And we really love the freedom that America represents, not just here in the United States, but all across around the world. We still don't know what's so exciting about baseball, but, but we'll get there. We'll get there sometime. But uh, no, we're so excited and so grateful to live in this country. So happy Independence Day to all of you. Come on. Woo! All right, all right. You will all get your chance. You will all get your chance later in this day. Thank you so much, Mark, to um, sing our national anthem. Absolutely awesome. Well, let me ask you a question. First, let me introduce myself for all the people watching online and at our different campuses. My name is Tim Lindsay. I'm the Dream Team Pastor here at Seacoast Church. And I want to welcome you wherever you're watching from. Maybe your living room, maybe your kitchen, maybe you are at one of our 12 awesome campuses, maybe at the Dream Center in McLennanville, Manning, maybe you're down at West, wherever you are watching uh, this service, we welcome you, we love you. We are so excited that you are here. Let me ask you a question this morning. What would you do if you knew that you had 24 hours to live? What would you do in those final hours of your life? What would be on your bucket list if you knew that you had just another 24 hours? On my bucket list, there'd be a sort of a, a whole load of things. One thing might be to go and run with the bulls in Spain. That's something that I've always wanted to do. I might visit a city that I've never visited before. I might get a matching tattoo with my sons. They're trying to convince me to do that. I might gather my friends and my family for a, for a last meal together where we would share stories with each other. What would you do if you had 24 hours to live? Well, that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to go into the Gospel of John. We're going to look at Jesus' final hours, his last 24, and see what was on his bucket list and what he chose to do. We're in a series called Walking Away from Jesus, where we're looking at different people and disciples and what they experienced with him and what they were left with as they walked away from Jesus. And the experience that we're going to look at now in these final hours of Jesus's life is really, really impactful. So I'm so excited for you to join with me and to dig into this. It's going to be absolutely awesome. In the Gospel of Luke, we read that Jesus eagerly desired to celebrate the Passover meal with his disciples before he would go on to suffer. 
Jesus knew that in his last 24 hours, he would be suffering and that he would be crucified. And one thing that he wanted to do was gather his disciples, gather his friends, his extended family, and celebrate the Passover together. So he sent his disciples on, they prepared the room, they prepared the meal, and they started to celebrate the Passover together. But it didn't turn out the way Jesus expected. A fight broke out amongst the disciples and they started fighting about who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Then Jesus had to approach Peter and explain to Peter that Peter was about to disown him three times. We also read that it was at this very meal that the thought came to Judas to betray Jesus. These final hours, this final meal with his disciples wasn't turning out as Jesus expected. How many of us have had a family meal that didn't turn out as we expected? Come on, I see two hands raised right here. There you go. Wow. Jesus, in this moment, I'm sure is frustrated because all he wants to do is receive encouragement, get together with his, with his people before he would go on to experience what he experienced. And in all frustration, it would be totally natural if Jesus would just thump the table and say, you know, I ain't got time for this. Or if he would just walk out of the room and just leave the disciples be and just find a place of solitude for himself. But Jesus does something in this situation that is totally unexpected. Unexpected because he was a rabbi, unexpected because he was a teacher, and unexpected just for those disciples. Jesus gets up, he takes off his outer clothing, he wraps a towel around his waist, and he kneels down and he washes the disciples' feet. Something that nobody would have expected Jesus to do. Now we might say here, because we might know a little bit more about Jesus and have been reading the Bible, well, that's the Son of God, that's Jesus. He's a humble guy, he's a humble man. That's what we would expect from him. He humbled himself so that he would even come into this world. Of course, Jesus would do something like that. But there's another twist to this story. There's another perspective. There's another angle to this story of why Jesus got down and served his disciples. And it was also because Jesus knew that if he humbled his heart, he would open up a doorway in his heart for his father to come through with his peace, with his power, so that Jesus could be sustained in the suffering that he was about to go through. He knew that if he just turned away and, and became proud, he wouldn't be able to receive what his father had in store for him. And that is the main point of this message. When you serve other people, God serves you. He knew that if he would serve his disciples, his Father in heaven would serve him with all the resources that he needed for what he was about to experience. When you serve someone, God serves you. Let's take a look into the story this morning and let's go to John chapter 13 and let's look at the different ways from this story of how God serves you when you decide not to be frustrated when you decide not to be angry, when you decide not to be disappointed, when you decide to let go of that hurt, how God can serve you. 
In John chapter 13, we'll go to the end of the story. In verse 15, it reads the following. I have set an example for you that you should do as I have done. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent me, sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now that you know these things, now that you've seen my example, you will be blessed if you do them. If you serve other people, Jesus is saying the Father in heaven will bless you. And that's the first point of this message. If you're taking notes, you can also open up your Seacoast app and you can have, find all the notes in there. The first point is if you serve someone, God gives you his favor. If you serve someone, God blesses you and gives you his favor. Come on, that's good news. That's such good news. Come on, a little bit more. Come on. That is good news. He gives you his blessing. Now you might say, well, shouldn't I serve someone without expecting a blessing? Shouldn't I serve someone without expecting anything in return? But what could be more, what could be better than being blessed by the Almighty God? What could be better than receiving a blessing, a spiritual blessing in my life, being blessed relationally, being blessed physically, being blessed financially? When I'm blessed, the Bible says, and I'm seeking God's blessing, seeking His kingdom, then I will automatically be a blessing to the people around me. My blessing means their blessing. My blessing means my wife's blessing, my husband's blessing, my kid's blessing. The neighborhood will be blessed. My small group, my church will be blessed. What could be better than receiving God's blessing into your life? When you serve someone, God gives you his favor, his blessing. You know, in the Old Testament, we read about Joseph. Joseph was sold into slavery. And as he was sold into slavery, he had every right to be frustrated, every right to be angry, to be disappointed, to be hurt. But Joseph chose to serve and he received God's favor on his life. He went on into Potiphar's house and, and that favor meant that he became a house manager over everything that Potiphar owned. After Potiphar, Joseph was thrown in prison, had again every reason to be angry and frustrated, but he chose to serve and served his inmates. And because of that, he received God's favor and became the vice president and got an audience before Pharaoh. And he could have been angry and frustrated at Pharaoh being in a country which wasn't free, but was totally aggressive, especially against them and slaves and other people of different nationalities. And he could have been totally frustrated, but he chose to serve. And he became a blessing, not just for himself did he receive that blessing, but for his whole family and for the whole ancient world of Jesus, of Egypt. When you serve someone, God gives you his favor. You know, I used to work as a salesman. Here's a picture of me for a couple of you to laugh, maybe. Maybe it's a fun picture, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. But uh, I used to be in sales and I used to work in a store. And in the store that I worked in, there was a blue carpet and there was a white tiled space. So on the blue carpet, on the one side of the store, there was a whole team of people selling TVs, hi-fi videos, that kind of stuff. And on the white tile, 
There was a, a whole team of people selling dishwashers, kitchen equipment, coffee machines. And I was in charge of the kitchen department. And another guy was in charge of the TV hi-fi department. And uh, we did not get along with each other. Uh, we would come into work and the fight would start at 9 a.m. when we opened up the shop and it would close and it would stop when we, when we stopped closing. We just couldn't get along with each other. Anytime somebody brought a TV or a hi-fi in uh, for, rep for repairs, he'd bring it over to my side, <laughs> expecting me to pack it up and send it in for repairs. If they ate lunch or whatever, he'd put the dishes on my side, expecting me to clean up. He never cleaned up his carpet, expecting the kitchen department to come in and clean up. When people would come through another entry looking for a dishwasher, he would say, we don't sell dishwashers. It was so difficult. It was so difficult. And, you know, I felt like, I felt like getting, you know, taking up the towel and serving him. But I really didn't. I really didn't. I, I felt like taking out the sword. Come on. <laughs> and I felt like chopping it up. And I got so angry and so frustrated. And I'd say, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that, take care of this, take care of that. And it was like fighting nonstop every day. I'd come home, I'd tell my wife all the problems. Now she'd be frustrated. Then the kids would hear that they'd be frustrated. And it went on for week after week, month after month, almost a whole year where we couldn't get along with each other and where I, you know, took a lot of that frustration home also into my marriage and into my family. Then one night, in the middle of the night, I woke up with a thought. And I knew it wasn't my thought because I would have never thought this. It had to be God. And God said, I want you to serve him. I want you to serve him. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I ain't serving him. Don't. Don't you see everything that he's done wrong? Don't you see this, that, and the other? I want you to serve him. I want you to put down the sword. I want you to put down your frustration. I want you to pick up the towel. And I want you to serve him. And this was a very difficult decision. Maybe for some of you, it's not that difficult. For me, it was so difficult. I got up the next morning and I decided in my heart, I am going to serve him. So... The next day we come in, shop is as usual there. Repairs come in, I take care of the repairs. Dishes come in, I take care of the dishes. The, the carpet is dirty, I'm getting the vacuum cleaner and I'm cleaning up that carpet. Customers come in looking for a TV hi-fi video, I'm right there helping them and introducing them to their sales personnel. I'm telling you, it didn't take years, it didn't take months, it didn't take weeks, it only took hours and a couple of days, and I had a new best buddy. I had a new best buddy, and he loved me. He loved me to pieces. He started serving me. He started cleaning up for me. He started making sure that I was selling all my dishwashers and coffee machines, and we were all, you know, on commission. And so it was so exciting when somebody helps you sell stuff. And it was absolutely awesome. We received such an amazing blessing. Our relationship was blessed. Our shop was blessed. Our teams were blessed. And not just emotionally, but also financially. So we were so excited to receive God's blessing. When you serve someone, God gives you his favor. What else does God do for you 
your father in heaven when you serve other people. In John 13 and verse 3, we read the following. Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist and served his disciples. So Jesus knew that he, he came from the father. Jesus knew that he was empowered. Jesus knew that one day he was returning to the father. So he had this purpose in his heart, in his life. He was so full of this purpose, it was no problem for him to go and serve. When he served, he received his purpose. And that's the second point if you're taking notes. When you serve someone, God gives you his purpose. Not just any purpose. Not just any goal. Not just any idea. But he gives you his purpose. Did you know that you will not be fulfilled by just doing the things that you love to do? Do you know that you will not be fulfilled by just being with the people that you would love to be with? Do you know that you won't be fulfilled just by being something unique? But that you will, tr you will experience true fulfillment when you, the Bible says, love God and love others. When you love God and love others. God's purpose for your life is to serve other people. You will find his purpose. Your, your life will be ignited by his purpose, by his fire, by his passion when you serve other people. Just a couple of hours after this meal into Jesus' final hours, we find Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And in Gethsemane, he is sweating blood talking to his father in heaven, trying to get out of the situation that he's in. He's saying, Lord, if there's a chance, if there's a possibility, if there's any way that I can get out of this situation, then please help me. Help me get out. Take this cup away from me. But it's almost as if the situation before where Jesus is serving his disciples opens up a door in his heart. So that he can receive this strength, he can receive this power and be sustained for the experience of suffering that he is about to go through. A humble heart opens up the doorway for God's possibilities, his strength, his power, his supernatural love in your life. When you serve someone, God gives you his purpose. Here is a friend of mine called Murti from back in Zurich, Switzerland. Such an awesome, awesome guy. He's a Muslim and he came from Turkey, immigrated to Zurich, Switzerland and started this bar called Barnabas. It's a sort of a bar takeaway where you sell kebabs. You know kebabs? If, well, not the kebab where it's the meat on a stick, but a kebab where the meat goes into sort of like a hamburger. It's like a Turkish hamburger. And absolutely awesome and a takeaway. And he would also have a bar on the other side and sell some drinks. Now, after he made a decision to follow Christ, the one thing that he would do, the one thing that gave him purpose was to serve other people. He would find ways to serve people 
everywhere he went, whether he was in a train traveling, whether he was in a car uh, picking people up, whether he was at church or in a small group praying for people, helping people, he always found a way to serve others. He felt that this was his purpose, so much so that he started this bar called Barnabas. Barnabas means the son of encouragement. And it wasn't long until people started flocking to his bar, his takeaway, trying to receive that encouragement that he was giving. He would spend time just talking to people, laying his hands on people, praying for people. He would make a Turkish kebab and he would, and he would give it to the person. He said, do you know that Jesus made this for you? And he'd pass it on. An absolutely awesome, awesome way of serving. Well, one night in his bar area, there was also a lot of dodgy people in the place. And a fight broke out. And a fight broke out between two, two groups of people. They started fighting with each other, throwing punches. And I happened to be there because I was supporting him in his ministry. And it was absolutely awesome. But it wasn't awesome that they were fighting. And uh, Morty gets into the middle of the fight and is, is, is sort of able to calm them down. And, you know, they leave the place and there's a, a couple of people left behind. And as Morty is closing the shop, after we've all left, after I've left, one of the gangs, one of the groups come back and they pick Morty out and they drag him across the street and they beat him up. They kick him, they scold him in his head, in his ribs, in his legs. He got such a beating and such a bruising that he had to be taken to the emergency doctor and he couldn't walk. The very next day, we got together, we prayed together, we cried together, and I tried to talk him out of going back to this Barnabas, going back to this bar. I, you know, the, I told him, the people aren't ready yet. Maybe we need a break. And Morty said to me, Tim, this is my purpose. These are my people. These are the people I'm called to serve. And a couple of days later, he was in his Barnabas serving kebabs to those very people that beat him up. When you serve someone, God gives you his purpose. How else does God serve you when you serve other people? In verse number two, it says, the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas and the son of Simon Iscariot to betray Jesus. Can you imagine what Jesus is going through? He's frustrated. All, the, um, all of his disciples are quarreling with each other. He's had to let uh, Peter know he's about to disown him. He knows that Judas is about to betray him. And what does Jesus do? Jesus takes his towel, takes off his outer garment, wraps the towel around his waist. This master, this teacher, this rabbi, someone who healed the sick, who cleansed the lepers, who had an answer for every question the Pharisees asked, this man comes to his disciples and kneels down before them and takes their feet and starts to wash their feet. Taking a sandal off, taking a cloth rinsing it in water, wiping the dirt, the sand of the day off their feet. And not just quickly, but thoroughly. And not just one foot, but another foot, taking off the sandal, 
and washing their feet. And now imagine that. Not just one disciple. He might start with Andrew. He might continue with Bartholomew. He might go on to Thomas. And then he comes to Judas. And in this moment, he knows not only is Judas going to betray him, but he also knows that Judas knows he's going to betray him. And he still decides to wash Judas's feet, taking off his sandals, wiping the dirt and the dust, not just one foot, but both foot, serving him so well. Why did Jesus do that? Why did Jesus serve Judas so well? Jesus knew he was going to betray him. He knew that if he would serve Judas, that he would break the power of the enemy over himself. If you serve someone, that's the last point, you, God, will break the power of the enemy over you. He knew if he served Judas, that frustration could not take a hold in his heart. There was no resentment left. He knew that if he served Judas, he would not give seed. A seed wouldn't be planted in his emotions. A seed wouldn't be planted in his thoughts. The enemy had no hold over him. And that's why he chose to serve Judas. You know, when you pick up a towel and you pick up the sword, you have the sword maybe in one hand, you have the towel in the other. And that's sort of the situation that I find myself in a lot. I'm frustrated. I'll use the sword every now and again. And I want to serve. And somehow the towel's here. But if you take the towel, and if you truly serve, you have to use both hands. You have to get down on your knees. And you have to serve. You have to let go of that sword. The enemy has no power over you. It's broken when you serve other people. You know, hours after the Garden of Gethsemane, Judas came back to Jesus and the other disciples. And when he came back, Peter had not taken the towel. Peter wasn't serving. Peter was frustrated. He was angry. And we heard this just a couple of weeks ago in Pastor Joss's message. He takes the sword and he chops off the servant's ear. Judas was there with the chief police, the priests, and one of the servants lost his ear to Peter's sword, angry and frustrated. And Jesus says at that moment, he says, put your sword away, Peter, enough of this. Peter goes on to disown Jesus a number of times, three times, and Jesus goes on to die, and Jesus is then resurrected. And after the resurrection, Peter and Jesus have this reconciliation meeting, this conversation together. Peter had already left the ministry, left what he was doing, went back to his job, fishing. This is what I'm going to do. And he comes from the, from the lake onto the shore and sees Jesus, and they have this conversation. If you were Jesus, what would that conversation look like? Would you encourage Peter? 
Would you reprimand him? Would you challenge him? What would that conversation look like? Well, this is what the conversation looked like for Jesus. Jesus went over to Peter and he asked Peter, do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? Peter answered, yes, Lord, I love you. Well, then Jesus says, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Serve my people. Jesus asked Peter another time and he says, do you love me, Peter? And Peter says, you know that I love you. And, Peter, and Jesus says, then serve other people. Feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Jesus asked Peter a third time, do you love me, Peter? And Peter answers, you know it. Why are you asking? And Jesus says, I want you to feed my lambs and serve my people, serve other people. Why was this so important to Jesus? And why was this so important for Peter? Jesus knew that if Peter would put down his sword of frustration, put down the hurt of the past, if he would just take up the towel and serve other people, then he would receive God's goodness, God's grace, his blessing, his favor in his life. He knew that Peter would finally walk in his purpose. And he knew that the power of the enemy would be broken in his life. If you love me, Peter, feed my sheep. And you know, Jesus is here this morning in this room, in your campus, online, wherever you are. And he's asking you the same question. Do you love me? If you love me, serve other people. As you serve other people, you will receive my favor. You will walk in my purpose. And the power of the enemy will have no hold over you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the wonderful example that you've given us and how you served your disciples, how you got down on your knees and how through that you opened a gateway, a doorway for the power and the presence of God in your life. And there's nothing more than we want but to have more of you in our lives, Lord. Oh, Lord, help us know how to serve. Help us to know what you're saying to us individually and, pers and, and personally this morning and how we should respond, what steps we should take to really walk into what you've prepared for us. And now this morning where all eyes are closed and all heads are bowed, I want to ask you if you've never made a decision to follow Christ before, if you would like to make that decision today to put your trust in him, to start to follow him and serve him just like his disciples did and experience the wonderful life that he has prepared for you, then you can make that decision today. And it's a very simple decision where you can raise a hand and we will pray together today here in this auditorium at the campuses wherever you are, online, in your home, you can make that decision right now. And if you'd like to make that decision 
then I'd love for you just to raise your hand right now in this auditorium. That's awesome. Yes, wherever you are in the campuses, just raise your hand. Yes, I want to follow Christ. I want to put my trust in him. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's awesome. Put your hand down. That's awesome. Thank you. Wow. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus, to this world 2,000 years ago. Thank you that he went to the cross and took my sin and shame. Thank you for this new life that you're giving me right now. Forgive me for everything that I've done wrong, everything that I've done which wasn't in your will. And as I step into this new life, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Empower me for what you've prepared, for the purpose that you've given me here in this world. In Jesus' name, amen.